Everyone, welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast. Today with us, we have Cody Jung. He's the founder of Yum. An interesting uh, character, has a lot of experience in the startup field. So this will be a really cool interview. Cody, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and tell us a bit more about Yum? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me, Charles. Um, so just some some background on myself. Um, I've been in the startup space since 2016. It uh, doesn't feel that long, but uh, <laughs> but uh, since then, it's a, I've, I founded a startup that unfortunately didn't make it, but learned a bunch just by doing it. And between now and then, um, I've been mentoring other early stage uh, founders and helping them kind of get through that process of starting their own companies and what it's like and kind of helping them avoid the mistakes and things, you know, I hit along the way on my first one. And then also doing some micro investments in tech startups. Yeah. I feel that in the startup world, it's like in the movie Interstellar when they get near the black hole and the time back on Earth passes in, in the slices of decades, you know, yeah. 30 years, 50 years. But uh, yeah, and we come back and we're like, yeah, this is a, a different world. So can you start by telling us like what's what's the feeling of like being emerged in the startup world for as as short as let's say six or seven years because to me it, it feels like forever and it feels like i acquired knowledge that i, I wouldn't have acquired anywhere other else in this market yeah i, I definitely would say like uh, if you want to learn a whole bunch of things about running a business the best way to do it is just to start one um even if you like like in my situation uh, it doesn't pan out things that you learn along the way are incredible uh, you just you can read all about these things, but then when it comes to doing it, you're definitely, you'll get caught off guard because it just doesn't go as planned as they, you read in all those articles and things like that. But um, I mean, just within my short time span of being in the startup space, I think we've seen um, some of the highest valuations of startups ever hit. I think that was just last year. Um, so that, that was a crazy climb to that point. We've seen um, other like startup names like Uber finally come out from, I guess there are 2013, like early starts to 2016 when they were just getting started. I think they went public right around then. So that hit a whole new phase of IPOs for startups that hasn't been seen before besides maybe the dot-com error. But then of course there was that big crash. And so now I think we're just seeing another reset and it's crazy that it was only a year ago, but now we're seeing valuations get cut like almost in half for some companies, if not even more. So, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a lot being five or six years. I know some people are in their industries for like 20, 30 years, but man, five years in the startup space can can really teach you a lot of lessons. Yeah, things move so fast there. And you know, just the, the culture, the, the nerd culture in which you uh, gather the most information possible in your respective field, but also uh, founders tend to put like twice or twice the time that a normal human being would uh, would put and indeed memory is imperfect so they might forget a bunch of lessons but still you know the, they will retain more than a normal human I guess so that explains yeah. the, the short time span um, I'm curious here because I see on your profile that you started investing in uh, 2017 how does one uh, start investing uh, properly and how does one like forge a, a nice career in the, the VC world yeah, so I, I'd say I'm not um, 
a VC person, um, but getting started in the VC space, it's kind of the same as if you're trying to just get your own angel portfolio going. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a micro investor, so my, my check sizes aren't very big. They're they're typically between like 500 to like $2,000 a check size. And uh, really the, the reason I started micro investing was because at the time I was mentoring founders and wanted to get like a holistic picture of, okay, yeah, I know like the founder side, of like what it means to be an operator, but what is like an investor going to be looking at when these people are propping up their companies? And so teaching myself how to do that was really the, the thing that kicked that off. And my biggest tip is just start doing it. It's, and um, you can go to sites like uh, republic.co, um, seedinvest.com. I think another one's like Start Engine. Um, and so these places allow you to participate in what's called like crowd funded equity rounds. And so you're basically investing, but as like a whole bunch of people. And it, it's really cool because you get to see a whole bunch of companies that, um, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they they just prefer to do it this way because their business model makes a lot of sense to do an equity round or they want access to more capital uh, or, you know, they you know, just uh, in some cases, they just didn't meet some venture capital's expectations and they needed money faster. So they just decided, hey, you know what, the public will get it. And they just tried their luck. So there are, um, you know, lots of different companies out there and searching those websites and learning how to filter them and build your own thesis and being consistent is super important. Um, you could hit some really cool winners like I think Heliogen was one that I hit back in the day that ended up being really well. Of course, I, it IPO'd and got cut in half just like everything else that IPO'd, but there's some other cool ones like, um, I think it was- uh, RxInside.com. Yeah, exactly. Here. The Rx one is the, the prescription delivery. That was really awesome. They actually were, I think Seed Invest's like largest uh, round raise for a public uh, crowdfunding round like that. So. There's a lot of companies out there that are definitely can get you those VC type, you know, big multiples. So just starting is really important because it takes time for these investments to kind of turn into something profitable. What's the startup scene in Atlanta? Um, I guess in Atlanta, it's pretty interesting in that it's it's not as a consumer focus as it is B2B focus. Atlanta is one of like the biggest like Fortune 500 companies. Uh, headquarters cities so you have like tons of people like i think like delta's there home depot's there i'm sure i'm missing a ton of other ones but a lot of big fortune 500 companies are just sitting there with with buildings and office space oh and coca-cola of course you can't forget them so starting a business in atlanta is like definitely if you're going after b2b that that's the city you want to be in um there are some i mean of course you can be consumer and stuff like that but it's it's the city's really built on that in terms of their venture ecosystem. Um, but yeah. That's a bit more about Diam and what you guys do for local startups and national startups, I guess. Yeah, so uh, for Diam, kind of going back to where my, my background was, where I was trying to teach people and help people um, you know, go through that early phases of their, their startup building and just kept getting the same questions and things like that. And I was like, okay, man, I wish I could just help these people in a way that I didn't have to go to back-to-back -back meetings that were basically all the same. I was just telling it to a different person. So the idea came with like reusable, like online templates and things like that. That was like the initial MVP. And now we're um, about to release in about a, a week or two from now. I'm hoping that our testing and debugging goes as planned. Um, but we're trying to build 
a ecosystem or sorry an incubator for tech startups where you can actually get quality guidance without having to fill out an application or you know pay somebody money for a course and you kind of do it on your own so if you want to start a company it doesn't have to be difficult and you don't have to just be sitting at home watching videos you would just go through a course that is essentially asking all the questions a consultant or a mentor and advisor that you might have as you're starting a company would ask you we're going to help retain that and you'd be able to update that pretty frequently whenever you need to easily as opposed to like rewriting some um like parts of a let's say like your business model like cookbook or whatever or like your um what else in business plan like instead of rewriting like a business plan that's like a 40 page thing and having to find that section we just make everything bite-sized for you you go in plug it in and then you can spread it to your team your your mentors or whoever else so it's all about like a learning focus and the hope is that if we're able to do this at scale we'll be able to standardize how startups are um, brought up and nurtured so that that data can be used to help um, help them as we kind of like pull in more advanced technologies like AI or other things to help them, you know, say, hey, you're doing this, but most startups in your area, in your industry are doing this thing instead. Maybe you should try taking a look at that or scoring startups so that when investors come on board, they can not only source deals, but kind of get a good rating on these companies that are super early. And that's not really been done well, um, especially since that data for these early stage like seed, pre-seed, that data doesn't exist for how they're operating until they fundraise it once. Because besides then, they're all private. So it's hard to get that. So that's the hope. And then with that uh, standardization of data, you're going to get tools and things for investors and for founders and mentors that is all based on this data, this data that's all standard. So now everybody will be talking the same language and everything will be digital as, as opposed to like, I think a lot of stuff is done in Airtable and like Excel and manually being put in and moved around from like Google Forms to their other, you know, database homes. So that's that's what DM's doing at least. And how do you guys make money? Uh, do you have partnerships? Do you have referral fees? How does it work? Yeah, so right now we're not focusing too much on the revenue side as we're trying to build out the education piece for the founder side. But the hope is that as I said, once we standardize all this data, we can start building SaaS tools that are like help with productivity and other things that investors can use. I'm taking advantage of like smarter technology, like uh, AI or machine learning that founders and uh, investors can use and kind of using those um, tools and using subscriptions, as, I'm sorry, subscription access to those tools is where we're trying to, to play at. But we're, that's kind of a, probably phase two or phase three while Right now we're on phase one, which is honing that uh, education piece. Got it. And where do you want to bring DM um, in the next five to 10 years? See, in the next five to 10 years, I think um, our biggest goal right now in five years would be to have a curriculum that's fully flushed out and that's putting data into our, our backend that we can then turn into really good tools like passive tracking for investors. And so having an investor side launched and having a middle ground, kind of like uh, social media for your business and for investors and getting advice on how to grow a business, just really niche social media part of it tied in with, again, that investor piece and that education piece would be kind of like that five-year goal with um, a 10-year goal. Man, that seems pretty far out, but we've, we've kind of tossed around some really big um, ideas and dreams as a team as like, 
maybe starting some fund or something based off of Diem or kind of like as like a sister company to Diem where there's all this data that's, that we have, why can't we like try and invest and give these founders who typically are overlooked a chance at, you know, funding a company by getting some investment in some form. Really cool. And in all the startup, startup experience that you have and the startups that you've dealt with, what are the common mistakes that you see and what, what is the uh, common advice for these startup founders? Yeah, I think the, the best advice I can um, give to somebody is to talk to your potential customers as soon as possible. Um, it doesn't matter what stage your idea is in, or even if you've already built something, if you are not talking to your customer, you do not know what your customer wants. You only know, you only know what you think your customer wants. Um, I, I have heard some really bad horror stories where people will have spent like $60,000 on a dev shop to build some prototype for them. And they've only talked to like five people that are their customers. And then like, I think we all know how that turns out. You spent all this money, you only got feedback from five people and now they're like, nobody's buying it or even wants to do anything with it. So I think that's the biggest thing. And even if you don't have access to your customers, just talking to like your friends and family about the idea is super helpful because they'll give input on like, hey, that sounds kind of weird or I know a friend who could help you with that. So just talking about your idea of more people is probably the biggest thing I can advise people that want to start building something. Yeah, for sure. And probably, well, back in the days, one of my startups, what we did is Facebook ads um, leading to some kind of survey and some reward. At the end of the survey, we got like a thousand responses. So that was pretty helpful to shape our, our product. And also nowadays I lead a cold email uh, firm and cold emailing is pretty good to get data and get meetings with these folks, you know, because sometimes just filling out the form is not enough uh, data and especially on the quality size of things. So if you have people on the phone and they can answer questions, uh, that's always a good source. And most importantly, deploy a prototype quick and gather data on that prototype, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, surveys, interviews are super important. Cold calling is like, I think a lot of people don't like doing it, but I think it's part of like, being a founder is you have to have a little bit of salesman in you to, to do this and or, or saleswomen, I guess. So you have to like get out there and put put your right thoughts and ideas. I think the, the ad thing is it was a great idea to get a lot of people to, to do your survey. Um, yeah, like just stuff like that. Or even, I don't know, um, people just put stuff on their social media. You, I think people would be surprised how many responses just in their network they'll get to surveys. And especially if they frame it as, hey, I need help with something you know, not have it as like a selling type conversation or a post, you know, help it. People love to help each other. And I think it's something that a lot of people overlook as like a powerful thing to, to help and use on their journey. 100%. Well, Cody, thank you so much for, for being there today. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so um, if they want to find out about me, I'm on Twitter at Cody S. Jung. Or um, if you want to see some more about Diem, we just launched our new website and our new platform is launching within a week or two. That's at startdiem, S-T-A-R-T-D-I-U-M.com. All right, Cody, thank you so much, man. Have a great rest thanks. of your day. Yeah, thanks, Charles. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.